G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. There's a very famous proverb that says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now that's in Proverbs 18, verse 21. The previous verse sets the scene. From the fruit of his mouth, a man's belly is filled. With the harvest from his lips, he is satisfied. Well, a conversation today about the words we speak, and I dare say the words we listen to. Well-known international preacher and author Catherine Ruanala has released her latest book. It's entitled Speak Life, Creating Your World with Your Words. And always a pleasure to welcome Catherine back to the studio, and she's in the studio with me right now. Catherine, a special welcome back to 2020. What a joy to be here. Thank you for having me today. Well, congratulations on your new book, and we'll talk about some of your earlier books as well, but this one is just about to be released, so it really is a brand new release. It's called Speak Life. Uh, these days, of course, you have a television platform too internationally, and that can't do such bad things for you when you're an author as well. Uh, give us a little update on how things are going with your book. Oh, thank you, Neil. Yes, we released it July 1st, and it is available on Amazon. And praise the Lord, uh, the first day it was released, um, yesterday we saw and that it was uh, it went to number one in two different categories so I was very very grateful for that because our heart is that people everywhere would re would would be reached with the message of God's love for them and in this book it actually went to number one in self-help and self-esteem which is not a Christian category which I was very excited about because I love the thought of people actually, grabbing a hold of the message and then realizing it this all comes from the love of the father and then it, then also in christian categories as well so praise the lord Catherine Ruanala TV that's uh, that's the name of the television ministry and you're really being broadcast around the world on the Daystar television network, and I think it's a, is it a daily program? How's all of the television focus going? Well, we have a weekly program. Um, it goes into two hundred different countries, but we also are on uh, other stations now that are translating into other languages, which is very exciting. And uh, you know, God promised years and years ago. He spoke to me about this that uh, I'd be preaching while I was asleep, and that people would be getting saved through the message through television. And so I've been declaring for a very long time. I'm on television all over the world. I'm preaching the gospel all over the world through television. And praise the Lord, now it's becoming a reality. And I, it, it, this is all the Lord's doing, and it is truly amazing, marvelous in our sight. And we'll pick up on some of that because, really, when we talk about the idea of creating your world with your words, what is proceeding over our lips 
the sorts of things that we do say has an effect on the way that our world is shaped. And so we'll come back to that. I'm just impressed, though, uh, if Daystar is in uh, 200 countries, as you say, and they're beginning to translate your messages into other languages, what does that look like? Do they see your smiling face on TV and then all of a sudden there's no lip syncing here? It doesn't work like that? How does it work? Actually, it's very clever. Um, so I think we're on in Swedish TV and uh, different different nations where they and, and Russian where they actually... Um, when you're speaking, it looks like you're speaking Russian. So it looks like I could speak Russian and Swedish and, and different languages. Uh, so the technology is amazing. I'm very impressed. <laughs> and your opportunities these days, as we say, uh, television opens up all sorts of wonderful opportunities. People will buy your book uh, by the tens of thousands. Uh, but you're also speaking at so many different locations around the world these days too. Just returned from a speaking tour into Vietnam. Uh, give us a little insight into what happened there. Oh, that, that was such an, an amazing, amazing thing. Uh, we were in Hanoi and, um, where it's not legal to preach the gospel, but we had government permission to do Christmas festivals. And over the three Christmas festivals, we had 10,000 people come. Uh, we saw 1,550 first-time followed-up decisions for Jesus. And we saw miracles beyond what I've ever seen before, which was so, so exciting. And exciting when you talk about people who come to Christ who make decisions, because from that point, there is a discipleship that happens. From that point, we're all going through, uh, you know, change. Uh, we talk about uh, all sorts of things, uh, the way that we're, you know, justified, sanctified, and there's this process of growing in maturity and becoming more like Christ, aligning with his image. And part of that is going to be about how we change the way we talk about not just Christian things, but Everything in our life. Absolutely. Now, before we get into the idea that you might create your world with your words, let me take you to something I mentioned in the introduction, the idea that it might be one thing to say words, but it's another thing to listen to the words that are spoken to you and the things that have shaped your world up to this present time. This clearly is one of the foundations you've got to deal with if you start, say, start to say to people, you need to speak differently. Absolutely. You know, there's uh, many, many voices that we, we hear, but the Lord tells us that we're to take captive every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ, casting it down. And, you know, I believe that as we learn to come into agreement with God about what he says about us, our identity, our destiny, then as we speak the words of God, uh, and we are speaking truth, and truth pierces through the darkness, and we can attach our faith to that reality. You know, if we are reaffirming with our words negative things that have been spoken over our lives, many times um, we adopt our own self-talk that becomes very negative based on what we've heard from other people growing up. But God wants us to renew our minds in what he says about us and start agreeing with him because to the level that we come into agreement with God's love for us is the cap that we put on our ability to love anybody else. And with the, the judgment that we put toward ourselves is the measure that we're going to use toward others. So God wants us to start speaking about ourselves and thinking about ourselves 
what he says. He says we are forgiven, that we are righteous. And as we begin to speak his words, that we are loved, that as he is, so are we in this world. Uh, we begin to come into a place where the righteous are as bold as lions and we can have boldness to begin to make declarations that line up with the heart and character of God and his desire to see us be lights in the world, just as he called us to be. Let's talk a little here about what makes Christian self-talk different to the sort of self-talk that goes on in the world. And I was interested to hear when you said your book is uh, is has hit a number one category on Amazon and it's in the self-help section. Mm-hmm. And, of course, what happens in the self-help section is not always Christian. And mm-hmm. sometimes this whole self-talk thing is all about training your brain in a certain way. And if you say these things, this will change your life. And, of course, uh, that does work. But what's the difference between... Christian self-talk and the sort of self-talk that gets promoted by people who are, you know, motivational speakers for business and sales and those of sorts course. of things. Well, you know, it is a biblical principle that is scientifically proven that as we speak words of life and affirmation, um, our brain changes. But what we're doing when we are speaking in line with the the knowledge of what God is saying about us, knowing in in connection with him, in fellowship with him, we're not speaking and um, declaring out of theory. We're declaring out of a place of relationship where we're partnering with God. And, you know, there's many, there's many things. There's been books like The Secret and other books. I haven't read them, but that, that use these principles without the connection to Jesus Christ. And, you know, he is the one. He says, I am the way, the truth and the life. And when we are connected in fellowship with the one who is truth and life, he is the way, then we have so much confidence. God doesn't ask us to have faith in somebody we don't know. And when you know God and you speak in a holy confidence, knowing that he is for you, then I believe that that the faith with which you speak is so much more powerful. And, um, and this, it, it's a completely different story. We're, we're cooperating with the one who created the world with his words. We're not just uh, giving it a go with some sort of theory. So when God speaks, he creates as he has done. And when we speak, we're also creative just as he has done. So this idea, you know, we're created in the image and likeness of God. And uh, it's not just that the Bible is about, you know, using your words to be in a self-help fashion, but let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater and say that those things are irrelevant because this, in fact, is the way that influence and power and the way that we would nurture our children, our families, the communities around us, these are the ways that we do that with words. And if we use the words poorly, we can destroy the elements of our life. If we use the words wisely, according to God, we can build our lives. This is the sort of thing that you're reflecting in your book. That's right. Well, the the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat the fruit of it. Um, We... If you want to um, speak words that will bring life, the Bible says you'll eat you'll eat the fruit of what you say. If you 
but Jesus said it very clearly, whatever we will have, whatever we say. And so the tongue is a rudder giving us a direction of where we want to go. And we need to be very intentional to be careful that the words we speak are where we want to go, that they are words that we want to see come to pass. So we don't want to just say what we see in the natural we want to be calling things that be not as though they are, just like Jesus did, just like the Father did. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. International preacher and author Catherine Ruanala is our guest. We're talking about the things that are contained in her new book called Speak Life, Creating Your World with Your Words. Catherine and her husband founded the Glory City Church Network, including her international television program on Daystar, Catherine Ruanala TV. It's a weekly program. We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to join in our conversation. And uh, why don't we, before we move on with our conversation, let's take a call. Karen is on the line from Aspley in Brisbane. Hello, Karen. Welcome. Hello. Karen, welcome. What are your thoughts? Oh, definitely. I totally, um, I totally agree. Our words can be very powerful. Um, and also, um, I believe that first you have to believe it for yourself, um, who God says you are. Um, and accepting his love is a powerful thing because you see, you can see yourself as who you were brought up. But God says he, uh, we were in his mind even before we were born. And God is love. And he created us to love us. And that is so powerful in my own life. Um, I had to confess that for a number of years to accept that God loved me in a pers- in a relationship, not that God was distant from me. And the more I confessed it with my mouth, the more I began to believe it. Karen, it you're sharing it some really powerful things here, and it comes around this issue of your identity, who you are in Christ, and you've begun to appreciate that in Christ you are different. There is a new dimension to you. Catherine, what are your thoughts for Karen? Oh, uh, Karen, thank you for those comments. That is so true. And, you know, we, we've been talking about um, the, the concept of our words and the power of our words. In the book of Romans, chapter 4, it tells, talks about God who calls those things that be not as though they are. He was talking about Abraham, and he was actually having Abraham, who, who didn't, who wasn't the father of many nations, call himself Abraham, which means father of many nations. In, in other words, he was getting him to speak what was going to be as though it already was. I am the father of many nations. Other people were calling him, hey, you, father of many nations. And we need to do the same thing. I am the beloved of the Lord. Uh, as we speak and, and declare these things over our own lives, uh, we, we come up, rise up in faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Thank you so much to Karen from Aspley in Brisbane. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Before we take another call, interesting thing here. 
And I know you'll have an opinion on this, Catherine, and something we don't always uh, raise with a lot of frequency, but oftentimes in some churches, and some people will say this happens more prominently in Pentecostal churches, where you have this idea of personal prophecy. Uh, Someone who is waiting on God, hears a word, and they speak that out, and oftentimes that affirmation that comes because of the maturity of the person who's bringing the personal prophecy uh, helps to shape the identity of the person who's hearing it because not everybody is there studying the Bible and gleaning the truths from the printed word. But this idea of prophecy that happens in so many churches, this is partly what happens when you're talking about the words that shape us. We don't always have the maturity to know that ourselves, and so we rely on Christian leaders uh, to perhaps, perhaps have that capacity to be able to speak those words into our lives. What are your thoughts on this idea of how these shapings happen in church life? Well, you know, I really believe we need to be shaped by what the Lord speaks to us. And as we read the scripture, it, you know, any any prophecy has doesn't have its origin in man. It comes from the Holy Spirit and it needs to be weighed and judged and lined up with the word of God, the character of God. It needs to be in line with that. But then when we do have prophetic promises or even just promises in the Bible that we, um, they are invitations waiting for our response. They're not inevitabilities. They are invitations. And so when we start to come into agreement with our words about these promises that are spoken, uh, then we actually see these things come to pass. Uh, Paul encouraged Timothy. He said, wage warfare, therefore, my son Timothy, with the prophetic words spoken over you, which means we can go to war with our words. Um, and as we speak and declare those things that God's been declaring, either through scripture or through his personal promises to you, uh, you are actually waging warfare with these things and you are creating with your words. Uh, so, for example, I, I received a, a word um from a lady called Cindy Jacobs back in 2011 that stadiums would open to me. And that was uh, very exciting, but it was something I already had in my heart. The Lord had already begun to show me visions of fireballs going out of crowd, over crowds and people getting saved and healed. And so when she said that, it, it lit up. It was really witnessed with my spirit. So I went to war with that. So since 2011, I've been calling things that be not as though they are. I've been declaring stadiums are opening to me. And praise the Lord, um, in 2020, I'll be speaking in a stadium in Portugal uh, for a big healing conference. And, and these opportunities now are starting to open up because God who has promised it is so faithful. And as we declare what he says, as we come into agreement with what he says, we can actually partner with God to see these invitations come to pass in our lives. Let's bring this down to a really personal level for people who are a part of local churches. Uh, supposing there's a young mum listening to us today who, who really, you know, is, uh, you know, she's grappled with uh, motherhood and uh, challenges of childhood and there's a playgroup that's off operating in her local church and she thinks uh, they really need some better leadership there. That whole idea, and and you're talking about standing on world stages, but for that young mum who sees her ministry role as being an encouragement to other mothers in her local church, how does this whole speak life work for her? How does she create 
her world uh, with her words and with those in- words of encouragement that she may have received along these lines? Oh, I absolutely wonderful question. Now, the Bible tells us in the book of James that um, uh, if we are hearers of the word and not do it, um, that, that the Lord says it's because we are um, forgetting what we look like. So with our words, we can remind ourselves. So for that young mum, I would be saying, well, thank you, Lord. You are love. Love is patient, love is kind, as you are, so am I in this world. So today when I walk into that playgroup, I am patience personified. I am kindness personified. When people hear my voice, they are in, in, impacted by the presence of God. When I when I look at people, they feel the love of God. As I walk into the room, the atmosphere shifts because I carry the love of God, the presence of God. And by making these declarations, you're actually creating with your words, what God wants you to have, the impact God wants you to have. So no matter what situation you are in, the Lord is looking for us to wake ourselves up, to remind ourselves by declaring his words so that we can walk in the good works that he's laid up in advance for us to do. And I might add, even that young mother who might have changed numerous nappies and had a screaming toddler and uh, going through all of the challenges, getting kids to school on time, finally getting to the playgroup, to make those sorts of affirmations is not a uh, weird thing to do. Uh, It's just bringing yourself back into an alignment with with this getting on the right level with God. Is that the way you describe that sort of thing? Absolutely. You know, we have so much knowledge. We are so blessed in the West with, um, with so much knowledge. And we've got the access to scripture in many different translations, but it's applying that knowledge that's so important. The Bible tells us that we can, you know, that we have the power of life and death in our tongues, that we can call things that be not as though they are, that we can create, we can eat the fruit of our words. So it's when we apply what we know that we really can see change happen. So I believe it's so important that we, like for me, just this weekend, I lost my computer and I was so distressed. I, I left it in the, the lounge in the club, uh, lounge in the airport, and I rang and rang and nobody had it. It wasn't in any of the places it might have been found. It, it looked like it had been stolen. So I started making declarations, calling things that be not as though they already were. So thank you, Lord. I have my computer back. My computer's being returned to me. Thank you, Lord. I have my computer. And sure enough, when I, I came back, I... I went and I, I asked at all the places and it wasn't, there was no record of it being found. And then they suggested, well, you could try this one other place, but it wouldn't be, wouldn't have gone there. And sure enough, I went to the visitor center and there was my computer. So for me, it's just a, a, that's a little simple practical thing. But instead of being victims, we can actually exercise authority by calling things that be not as though they are. Thank you, Lord. Uh, Whatever it is you're believing for, start to decree it. Start to declare it. Uh, Speak to the mountain. Speak to the fig tree. and, And speak to your circumstance. Well, those were words that came from Jesus, uh, speak to the mountain, and uh, his own example, speaking to the fig tree. Let's take another call. Mike is in Tasmania. Hi, Mike. Good morning. Uh, God's word says, I would have all men saved and come to knowledge of the truth. For example, the devil would say, Billy won't be saved. God says, I want Billy saved. And God says to the church, church, what do you say? And we say, Lord, save Billy. We pray and agree with God. 
What a great thought, and we've got a great contrast in there. A response for Mike in just a minute out from news. So powerful. That's so important. I declare all of my family are saved uh, because that's absolutely the will of God. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Thank you so much to Mike from Tasmania. Our talkback line remains open 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Uh, Catherine, plenty to move on to talk about, but why don't we take a call from a listener before we introduce any new dimensions to this topic. Let's hear from a listener in Victoria. Hello, welcome along. Hello. Hi there. What are your thoughts? Look, I just wanted to say... um the lady's name's Catherine, isn't it? Catherine, yes. Yeah, to Catherine. She said about Abraham and about calling things that aren't as, as if they are. And I, I want to say, well, Abraham had a promise from God, so he had something to work on there. And also, the Lord has said to me about Joseph. Now, Joseph also had a promise from God in a sense of the dream, to telling him his future. And when, the more I look at Joseph's story, the more I... um think it's horrible. I think he missed out on all those years with his father who loved him, but he was so good he just went on trusting God. But then forgiving his brother and everyone admires him for that, how he forgave his brothers and everything. But I think you could never have a, a brotherly relationship with them again like normally you would have after that because they always have to feel indebted to him sort of. It's just, I don't know, I just don't get it. Okay. Joseph lost all of those years uh, through the hardship of being sold to the traders into Egypt and then being thrown into prison and being forgotten about and then eventually emerging to be 2IC in the whole nation of Egypt. I think that story illustrates something very significant and I wonder whether Joseph might well have even ascended to the rank if he had not held on to the promise that God had given to him. But Catherine Ruanala, when we talk about these sorts of things and we can be doubtful because sometimes the circumstances seem so impossible there's no way we could come out of those what's your reflection for our caller from victoria and uh, she's talking about abraham and about joseph well thank you for that you know when joseph's brothers uh came back to him uh, and and they they were talking about how horrible that's all been uh he said well what what you meant for evil god meant for good and you know i always take a scripture in Isaiah 61, that for our former shame, pain, and disgrace, God will give us double recompense. And so I've learned what it looks like to actually sow pain. In this world, the Bible says we will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world, and he makes all things work together for our good. So when you've walked through difficulty, rather than talking about all the difficulties all the time, I would be saying, the Lord is giving me double recompense. Thank you, Father, that he's making all things work together for my good. And you can wage war with the promise uh, in Scripture that God is faithful. Uh, just while we've got our caller on the line from Victoria, let me ask you, because uh, you mentioned something really important when you're talking about Abraham and about Joseph, because they did have a promise from God. I wonder whether uh, you have any sort of promise from God in your own life, uh, the caller from Victoria. No, just general promises and are told to look at, at Joseph. Uh, but so, when we look I mean, at Scripture... I mean, Joseph, Joseph got no, notoriety or whatever you call it. He became a big man, didn't he? 
I don't have a desire to do that. Uh, no, but you might have desires for your own family or for your marriage, for your career, if you have a position that you are holding. Uh, you might have some aspiration there. Catherine, how do we deal with these sorts of things? Because, yes, these were big promises for Abraham. Mm. There's a big promise for Joseph, a little bit like we were talking about a little bit earlier. What about the person who's got an aspiration to do something for God and, and really they're just going to be helping out in their playgroup? What about this big promise from God? Well, you know, I really believe every one of us have a whole book of promises. And the Bible says that we are co-heirs with Christ. That is, all of his promises are yes and amen for us. So if we can find it in Scripture, it applies to us, the Bible says now, because we are co-heirs with all of those promises. So you can take a promise that um, that I have the mind of Christ. You could take the promise that um, as he is, so am I in this world. So today, I'm going to walk like Jesus. Lord, thank you that you give me power to be kind today. Thank you, Lord, that you give me power to forgive those that have hurt me. I, I forgive my enemies. I love people really well. When I look at people, I don't keep records of wrongs, but I rejoice in truth that I'm, I'm kindness personified because Christ lives in me. It's no longer me who lives, but Christ. And Christ is love personified. So by making those sort of declarations, God isn't interested so much in in uh, whether we're doing big or little things. He is interested in us walking with God. And as we walk with him, uh, manifesting his love and uh, loving him and loving people, then we are fulfilling the will of God for our lives. Thank you so much to that caller from Victoria and 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. So you have Abraham, the promise that his offspring would be a great nation. You have Joseph, whose promise was that, you know, eventually he would have a very high leadership position. Even his brothers would bow down to him. Uh, when you mention all sorts of other biblical characters, Joshua, uh, every place that your foot will tread, I'm giving it to you. But those are not promises that are given to us personally. But let me take you into the New Testament here, Catherine, because Jesus gave us some promises and some things to aspire to. Uh, you are the light of the world. Uh, you are the salt of the earth. Uh, these sorts of things, when he says that to believers, they are, in fact, a aspiration with the promises attached because, you know, if you obey me, uh, then uh, these uh, good things will come. Uh, give us some thoughts here about what we can hold on to in our faith, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I love that you used that scripture. That was my reading this morning, <laughs> that we are the salt of the earth <laughs> and we are the light of the world. And a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. That's right. But they are as I said, you know, scripture and the promises of God, they are invitations waiting for our response. And the way we can respond is starting to come into agreement with what he says by, by declaring and speaking things, calling things that be not as though they are, behaving like our Father. So I would take that scripture. I love to pray the Word of God. And all through the book, I've got examples of how we can personalize the Word of God and speak it out in a declarative, uh, creative way. So I would say, 
Thank you, Lord. Today, I am the light of the world. I, my light, the light of Christ in me is impacting everybody I meet. They see it in my eyes. My eyes are the window to my soul. And when people look in my eyes, they see Jesus. They see his life. They see his love. When we make these declarations, it's so contrasting to the temptation to instead be saying, oh, I'm sick and tired. I'm, I'm feeling terrible. I'm having a bad day. If instead we start speaking to our soul and saying, hey, soul, why are you downcast? Let's speak some truth. Hope in God. I'm the light of the world. Today, as I interact with people, they feel God's love. I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord. Speaking the word and declaring it has so much power. Uh, There's that old saying, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And that ought not to be the story of the Christian believer. This idea that you've just raised, personalizing God's word, and uh, some people will say, well, where do I do that? Well, you've just told us this happens in a devotional time, uh, even this idea of praying the scriptures, uh, personalizing the scriptures. So we've got something very practical here because I know this is a challenge for so many. How do I change? What am I supposed to be like when I change? Is it some sort of magical experience that's supposed to happen to me that brings about the change in my life. Really, this surrender to Christ and then this obedience to his word, this is where we start. I suppose then, as you're reflecting here, Catherine, how you then articulate that, how you speak those words, is where the change is actually becoming more substantial in our lives. Yes, you know, faith calls, faith speaks and, and calls things that be not as though they are and is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So as we start to declare what we are seeing and, and speaking it out in faith, rejoicing, singing, O barren, you who've not yet born, actually getting happy about it and, and declaring it as though it's happening, what we're doing is we are engaging in faith with the one who loves us and who's given us these promises and is inviting us to be uh, enjoying the inheritance that we have as children of God that he might joyfully through us reveal himself to others. Let's personalize this even more because you say in your book that you ought to refuse to dwell on your sins. Now, obviously, in church life, you turn up to church on Sunday, and oftentimes, not always, and it all depends on the church, and I'm not uh, casting aspersions on any particular church, but sometimes the constant references uh, to the sinfulness of humanity, and, and you know, we want to come around the communion table, and we want to hit the restart button when we do uh, ask forgiveness and surrender to Christ afresh, and uh, we're starting off on a new page. But you say, refuse to dwell on on your sins, repent and get on with life. Yes. There's You can't do that unless you ask, actually start to change the way you talk about your life. That's right. Well, the Bible tells us that he remembers our sins no more, that he doesn't even recall them and he makes no mention of our past sins. He throws them into the sea of his forgetfulness. And when he looks at us having repented and confessed our sins, the Bible tells us that he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He doesn't 
even just forgive us our sins. He actually takes away the iniquity, the stain, and gives us a new heart. And so he then asks us to believe. The righteous have to live by faith. So we've got to have faith in the reality that we're forgiven. Many of us are very good at at confessing our sins, but very bad at actually receiving forgiveness. And, you know, when we've, we've brought it to the Lord, He doesn't even remember it anymore. And we have to, we have to agree with God. The Bible tells us in 1 John 3 that even if our heart condemns us, He is greater than our heart. And His desire for us is not to walk Conscious of our past and our sin and our failure, but conscious of our redemption and our forgiveness so that we can live a life of con- continuous worship and thanksgiving to God, knowing that we have been forgiven much, love much, and that, that as we focus on what he says about us, it's the righteous who are as bold as lions. And it's faith in his goodness, faith in his redemption that pleases God, not our constant dwelling on failure and sin. He wants us to believe that he calls us saints. Even if our hearts don't agree and we feel sinful, we have to say, no, God is greater than my heart. I'm going to believe and agree today that he is better than I feel like I deserve and that he is my redeemer. And he says, I am pure, I am holy, I'm righteous, I'm clean. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We must have faith. Our faith saves us. Hallelujah. You know, as you're saying those things, I'm reflecting on this idea that we talk about as Christians, being justified by faith. Uh, That justification is a reliance on not our own uh, works, not our own goodness, but on the goodness of God through Christ who died on the cross. And when we are talking about being justified, it's it's not that we feel justified because sometimes we can be so still entrenched in the challenge of humanity and the sinfulness of our lives. But in as believers in Christ, we're relying on his justification, not our own works. Now, that's really, really powerful. But for the person who might be listening in today saying that, uh, let me use that word entrenched again, I'm so entrenched in this sinfulness that I keep hearing about and it keeps being impressed upon me and the people around me, my family, my work colleagues, everybody seems to be entrenched in sinfulness. I can see no way out of that. And if I started saying the things that you're saying, Catherine Ruanala, I will feel like an absolute hypocrite (laughs) because these things are challenges for me. How do you actually speak into that person's environment? If there's been repentance and you've received mercy... You need to start agreeing with God with how he speaks about you because it's so important that we engage faith in his goodness, that he is better than we feel like we deserve. And as we start to to say, well, you know, the Bible says now that we are saints, not sinners, that having been having come to Christ, believing he takes away my sin, that he's forgiven me, I'm no longer a sinner, I'm a saint. So if I believe I'm a sinner, I'll sin by faith. 
But if I believe I'm a saint, I'll grab hold of the power of God to walk in holiness. He says, be holy as I'm holy. And that means he gives us power if we ask him for help. He wants to be our ever-present help in time of need. He doesn't expect us to do it in our own strength, but he says, I'll make a way of escape for you out of every temptation. And if you fail, bring me your sin, and I am faithful and just. I forgive you. And he doesn't even remember it. And and. Reset. Hello. Praise the Lord. He's taken away my sin. I'm, I'm forgiven. I'm clean. And, uh, and this is the mercy of Jesus Christ. Right now, there's so much pressure on Christian believers. Uh, well, if we talk about the things that are going on, uh, we're aborting babies. Uh, we're now killing the, those who feel like life is not worth living. Uh, we've got voluntary euthanasia that's legislated and happening in Victoria. We've got all sorts of things that diminish the Christian understanding, foundation and promise that we're created in the image and likeness of God and we are valuable. That's how we know we have value because we're created in his image and likeness. So many things right now, Catherine, impressing upon people. Uh, People are in deep uh, times of sadness, depression, uh, struggling with mental illness, challenges like that. Uh, there are all sorts of things that diminish the value of humanity and there are people who have been told their whole life that they're worthless, that they'll never amount to anything, that their life is, you know, they might as well go off and uh, and be one of those who, uh, you know, gets the voluntary euthanasia because there's nothing worth them living for. There's so many pressures. This is a time to hold tight to what God says because things are getting darker by the day. But God is for us. And, and, you know, that, the truth is that, that we have the, the more that the unthinkable things that are happening in the world, the more we can hold on to the unthinkable promises, the exceedingly abundantly above things that God wants to do. And I've actually been declaring this recently that even as the unthinkable things like you've just been talking about have been happening. God wants to do the unthinkable, that he wants to uh, reveal his life. And he is he's so good at doing that. And so I believe rather than um, focusing on what we don't what we don't like and, and what the, the enemy is doing, we don't even we don't even need to be, um, you know, talking and dwelling on on, on those things. But instead, coming in the opposite spirit and speaking life. And and so for the person that's struggling with depression or discouragement, rather than always saying, oh, I feel so depressed, I'm depressed, I'm depressed, start start saying, thank you, Lord, that I have a hope and a future, that the joy of the Lord is my strength, that the, the one who is joy personified lives on the inside of me, that I am free, I am forgiven, I am loved, I have a hope and a future. God's laid up good works in advance for me to do. You can start to speak your way out of your circumstance when you start to grab a hold of the light that we've been given and that is the word of God. It's a lamp to our feet but we've got to pick the lamp up and we've got to be deliberate and intentional. We can sit down and despair and moan or we can rise up, shake off the dust and say, right, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says I have a hope and a future. The Bible says with long life you'll satisfy me and show me your salvation. Thank you Lord that you have good works laid up in advance for me to do. That I'm the light of the world today. That that as God is, so am I in this world. So people who are going to meet me today are going to feel God's presence. His 
power. I lay hands on the sick and they recover. I manifest the presence and the patience and the love and the kindness of God to everyone I meet and they recognize his love and his presence in my life. I'm a soul winner. I'm a disciple maker. I, I have a hope and a future. I'm anointed to preach the good news of the gospel to the poor. I'm, I have the light of the world and I have the good news. I have the hope of the world to bring to those around me today. And I have the power today to change lives in whatever field you're in. You could be just saying a kind word to the person behind the checkout store. But if you're believing that my words bring life and hope, you can change someone's whole world just with the kindness of God. Two sorts of people listening to our conversation today. The ones who are in the challenging situation where they don't see any way out, and you've spoken into that situation very powerfully. The other sort of person who's listening is the one who is stagnant in their Christian walk, going through the motions, turning up to church on Sunday, not even being excited about that sometimes, wondering what God has for them, looking for that promise that they can rely on so that they might then aspire into something and take some steps of faith. And they're wondering how their mountain is going to move too. And I just reflect back on that when Jesus uh, you know, said, uh, say to the mountain, cast yourself into the sea. But in order for that to happen, you've got to start somewhere and the starting somewhere says, speak. And the way we speak into the circumstances that we are facing is going to mean that the fruit of what happens is going to be different. And I know this is what you're getting at in your book. And I just wanted to uh, draw attention to the fact that at the end of each chapter in your book, too, you've included declarations over yourself and others. And so it's a practical application of God's word into your personal circumstances or the the circumstances of your family or the circumstances of your workplace and dare I even say the circumstances of where the nation is heading right now. Very good. So powerful words. Let me point people to how they can get a hold of your new book, Catherine. It's called Speak Life, Creating Your World with Your Words. Now, I'm going to assume it's going to be in all the Christian bookstores. We said it has only just been released. You can get it on Amazon right now. You can get it on Amazon.com. It isn't in the bookstores because uh, this one we have self-published. So it is, uh, it's available on Amazon.com. You can get it on Kindle on Amazon.com.au. But if you just go to straight Amazon.com, you can get paperback and Kindle are both available there. And you might keep an eye out too for Catherine Ruinala on television. She's on the Daystar Network. So if you've got uh, pay TV platforms, how does that work? If you have Foxtel, you can easily access Daystar. We're on Sunday mornings at 9.30. And there's some other books that Catherine's written too. Living in the Miraculous, Wilderness to Wonders and Life with the Holy Spirit. And there is a website, CatherineRuanala.com. Uh, Ruanala is spelled R-U-O-N-A-L-A, CatherineRuanala.com. Catherine, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for taking some time to share these things with listeners today. God bless you, Neil. Thank you so much. Always a joy. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more 
or donate today at visionradio.org.au.